Hello and welcome to What a Picture, a movie podcast where we go through the sight and sound greatest films of all time. Critics poll week by week and discuss what makes a great film great. I am Brian. I am Hannah, and I'm wondering, we put interesting inflection on interesting words in that, mm-hmm. in that intro, and I've never questioned it. Yeah, I will have to do a, a super cut of that when we're done our uh, list of 100. Well, we're um, halfway there, so... Halfway there. Yeah. Halfway there. People, this is a big deal. We've done yeah. 50 movies, all of us collectively, the What a Picture fam. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty... Uh, it feels like a milestone. It's it's exciting. I love it. We're here for it. We're almost yeah. done. <laughs> it seems very doable after having done half of it. It's like, oh yeah, let's do yeah. the other half. You know, we're being on movie five and being mm-hmm. like, oh god, <laughs> this <laughs> is a lot to do. We're a twentieth of the way there. Yeah. And we have some like pretty heavy and long stuff still to go, particularly Shoah, but we did. Which is movie 99, by the way. (laughs) We saved (laughs) our our eight-hour Holocaust documentary for movie 99. Just in case we bail on this project, we're pushing (laughs) the hardest one to the very end. Yeah. Well, we might we might end up moving it up just because we're gonna need to plan out like that week and having enough time to watch and record so if we watch 20 minutes every Mm. week for the next 24 weeks yeah that's also fast math (laughs) and uh, that would not be a very interesting podcast though like well a year ago when i (laughs) watched the first 20 minutes here's how i felt i mean yeah literally six months ago um anyway what'd we watch today brian we watched Contempt, 1963 but- film, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. So this is our second Godard. Y'all would remember that we watched Piero Le Fou. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, in the 20s or 30s or 40s. Yeah, 40s, I don't something know. like that. Recently. Relatively recently, yeah. And Hannah, I'm realizing that I'm sort of doing you a disservice because I feel like Godard is easiest to understand after you've seen Breathless, his debut film. Um, you really love Breathless. But, yeah, I do really love Breathless. It's a good film. Yeah. Um, but we're sort of hopping around based on different things. And, and for this one in particular, it's leaving Criterion at the end of the month. So I wanted to make sure to get to it. So, so really, Criterion is doing us a, d- a disservice. Yeah, it's Criterion. Yeah, fault. yeah. No, Just we love you, Criterion. Criterion. Sponsor yeah, us. We love, we you. love you. <laughs> um. All right. Why don't you hit us with that sweet, sweet plot? Summary. Ooh, the sweet, sweet sounds of a plot summary. So, a playwright Paul is invited by an American producer Prokosh to do a script rewrites for Fritz Long's adaptation of The Odyssey, which is currently filming. Paul brings his wife Camille to a meeting with Prokosh, and when they travel from the screening room to Prokosh's villa, Prokosh offers Camille a ride in his two-seat car. Camille defers to Paul, who agrees to follow behind in a taxi. Paul arrives at the villa half an hour after they do, and Camille catches him groping Prokosh's secretary. Back at Paul and Camille's apartment, Paul confronts Camille about a perceived distance, but Camille evades his questions until finally admitting that she no longer loves him. Later, Paul and Camille travel to a shooting location for the movie in Capri. 
Prokosh and Long disagree about the correct interpretation of the Odyssey, and Paul sides with Prokosh. Camille then allows Paul to find her in an embrace with Prokosh and later tells him that her respect for him has turned to contempt. Paul quits the film in dramatic fashion, but Camille decides to leave. She gets a ride from Prokosh and they both die in a car accident. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that's funny, but... (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, We'll we'll get into it. Um, uh, Hannah... Tell me how to feel about this movie, because I'm still working it out. Yeah, I don't know who the protagonist is. I think that was the no. hardest part. Um, I think, like, so as I get older and I watch TV, for example, Gilmore Girls, great show, watch it every year. Still, as I get older, I just think, wow, every single one of these conflicts could be not a conflict if people just said how they felt yeah in a way that like honors their own agency and what they need and also honors the love they have for this person um and you know i just i feel like (laughs) there's obviously a lot going on here but particularly with paul and camille um there's just like a lot that's unsaid that festers and so it's not a very relatable thing because I would just say my feelings. Yeah. You know, and that's that. Um, I think. Yeah. So I think this movie was interesting. It, it was kind of interesting in that, like, you see the. um The negative side of, like, not actually saying what you want and how. I already used the word fester, but like how these bad feelings can fester and can snowball and can just fully unravel. Um, And that's what we got to see here. Yeah. So it's not relatable, but it is understandable, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'm still struggling with if it's understandable or if Godard is just not very good with his female characters. Um, he's very upset which... with obsessed with Bridget Bardot's butt. <laughs> like like that, just co- half the movie I've, was just her butt. I've got some anecdotes about that. He was he pretty much had produced a uh, finished film with and then the producers yeah said more nudity. <laughs> and more so butts. they went back and shot. And he's not like upset about it or anything, but uh um... Why would you be? You could see Bridget Bardot's butt. Great so... butt. <laughs> How many but, times can yeah, I say it's... butt in one podcast? But <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah, so it's uh, uh, some of the response to this movie is is sort of wild uh at the time. It's yeah, the 60s. Wild time. Um but yeah, I I'm more I the nudity doesn't bother me really. It's more Camille's behavior is it understandable and relatable? Is it meant to be just like archetypal and not really understandable? Well, so we'll get into this. I'll I'll give a little bit of overview on this film and the background and and then hopefully you can help me uh, unpack some of these things and we can work through it a little bit. Um, (laughs) 
We can work through it together. Yeah. This is a little bit of an earlier Godard film. It's about three years after Breathless, which is his debut. It's his sixth film. He's super prolific during this time from like 1960 to 1967. He's making like two or three films a year, typically. Um, And this being still relatively early was sort of a step up for him. He was working with some uh, American producers um, and it cost about a million dollars to make, which is not a whole lot in the grand scheme of things but in terms of the french new wave auteur typical budgets it's like five times the budget that he'd worked with to that date and about half mm. of that they spent uh paying bridget bardo so yeah great Honestly, for her. I get, get that money yeah yeah um so and she is you know she is the draw to the film really um so it makes sense from a production standpoint um but it also lets him play a little bit more and set up some more complex things where Breathless is like freewheeling, low budget and making fun decisions and, you know, sort of like uh, anything is possible, but we're not going to spend a lot of money on it. And in any case, ethos, um, which is sort of fun. This is a little bit more. He has a little bit more breathing room in terms of the budget to do some interesting things um so that's sort of the background here um i mainly want to talk about camille and paul here and i tried not to put a whole lot into the plot summary that felt like i i think it's pretty clear like what actions lead to camille not loving paul anymore but it's somewhat implied and maybe there's a little bit of room for interpretation um so it's mainly that she feels like he especially with the the things that really set her off are him like saying oh yeah i'll follow you you can ride with prokash too this villa feels like uh he's like offering her to him sort of thing and then he arrives late and so she doesn't love that and then late in the film with paul siding with prokosh on the uh interpretation of the odyssey feels like he's just like selling out sort of thing or is like uh uh yeah he's not assertive and so that's why she leaves him in almost like a um, instinctual evolutionary way of like, he's not an assertive man. And so I no longer have feelings for him. That sort of feels like what's going on. Is that how you read it? Yeah, I think certainly the first part, I think she almost thought that he was like, Paul was more or less selling her to Prokosh, like yeah. here to take my wife. Um, she was clearly uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And that he didn't see it um, broke her. I mean, and I get that. Like if you, you know, it's, it's one thing to, you know, 
work with your wife ahead of time and be like, okay, we got to charm this guy. You know, you have to state what your boundaries are, but like, you know, like wives go along to husband's work dinners or Christmas parties or whatever. And you charm the boss, you know, she's the beautiful new wife. She could totally do that. Um, And so maybe that was what Paul was expecting, which is fine. Um, But it clearly hadn't been communicated. And so she's like, oh, you're selling me to this person. Like, I'm just here to be this prop with a great butt and Mm -hmm. you don't protect me. Um, And then that he didn't didn't notice her her discomfort, her trepidation, or maybe he noticed it, but he didn't care. Um, So she all all of a sudden is does not feel protected or supported by her husband. Um, Mm -hmm. And we don't know what happened with Prokosh in the 30 minutes before Paul arrived at the the villa. So um, I don't think that's something that should cause you to fall out of love with your husband. I mean, unless Mm -hmm. you, unless she truly believes that her husband is pimping her out, which like, yeah, yeah, I would fall out of love with someone who used me like that, you know? Um, But I think for her, it's, it's very much perceived versus Mm -hmm. what's actually happening. And I don't mean to like say it's all in her head, but, it's it that was her perception before and it, it was never like clarified whether or not but she also mm-hmm. never shared it with you know how she was feeling so it's just like a stinky situation yeah where she feels so unloved and unseen and so why honestly like i'm a little on her side of why does she owe him an explanation i mean it's a nice thing to do but if she thinks that he's pimping her out like he doesn't deserve her honesty (laughs) i don't know i'm not on her side but i do understand where she's coming from like the fear that she felt in that moment is such an an, a personal thing and you need to feel safe with someone to share your fears and for him he put her in a situation that she perceived as unsafe so of course she's not going to share the fear with him she's childish about it you know, mm-hmm. and she brushes it off and she dangles her love like a carrot and a stick and all that. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. So you're, you're doing a good job of imbuing some humanity into the character. I don't know for me that the movie does that enough. Oh yeah. Um, I'm very extrapolating here. Yeah. So for me, it felt like Godard is projecting his fears about the way that women are into this character. Hmm. So he's saying there could be a misunderstanding and she just won't talk about it and will fall out of love with me and leave me. So he is placing himself more in Paul's shoes, I think, throughout. There's a little bit more like empathy in the movie for Paul maybe than for Camille and that might come somewhat from the novel which is definitely written from Paul's perspective um but there's and and the the plot is much the same in the novel that this is based on um from what I've seen with a a couple of key differences but i think the novel i haven't read the novel but the way that i read sort of a summary of the plot and i think i would have the same problems with the way that the the novel uh portrays it but 
it I mean, yeah, like, like this this is very yeah. much a male perspective of a movie. Um mm-hmm. I yeah, I don't I don't like condone Camille's actions in any way. Um Yeah. I you know, expecting the people who you love to protect you mm-hmm. is something that you're allowed to do. Um totally. Yeah. I, and and she's in a situation where she doesn't feel safe. Um I agree that like, you know, the not talking about it is childish. Um Yeah. She if she could just, I mean, blow up at him, be mad at him. Like you don't have to forgive him right away or or assume his actions were noble, but like the the withholding um is hard. I think also that I don't know. I think you see Paul kind of just dissolve, dissolve into a um, kind of a weak person. I mean, yeah. he he goes from being passive to outright submissive to the situations around him, um, mm-hmm. in kind of a disappointing way. Like, yeah, I don't know. He you know at first is is so ready to stand up for what he wants, and then by the end is like, I don't know, Camille, what should I do? Like, I'm so scared to lose you that, you know, you just decide. And she's like, that's not what I want. Um, you know, she wants him to be a stand-up guy. So I think, you know, this movie definitely has some antiquated gender roles and it definitely has some um, one-dimensional views of what a woman is and what femininity is and what a woman ro- woman's role in a relationship should be. Um yeah. But also like Paul's not perfect. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's, it's like a, he's not portrayed as he's not yeah. portrayed as like the good guy and she is. So it's not like she's the whiny wife and he's the good guy. Cause that's yeah, it's unbearable. Not, yeah. He's not treated like this is a huge injustice that was done to him. It is trying to be, I think, more of a two-hander where it gives both of their perspectives in some regard, but I just feel like it's not nearly as well done as, I mean, we watched Before Midnight recently, that's this uh, drawing, I think, a lot of uh, inspiration from something like this, particularly the apartment scene in this feels like a direct parallel to the long hotel scene in before mid or a marriage story yeah the yeah. Noah bomb back yeah mm-hmm. um the which... um the other parallel that i thought of was uh la ventura uh the antonioni film we watched which is around the same time and is mm-hmm. very much doing the impossibility of two people connecting but centers the female perspective a lot better than this does yeah i think i i think this one was difficult because you know in true conflicts like like uh let me i we'll talk about before sunrise like they both had their feelings and their both of their feelings were valid and understandable i think that this movie maybe didn't do a good enough job at like convincing you of each individual's experience yeah you know it just felt like it was conflict to have conflict but i didn't like understand what 
Camille was going through. I didn't understand what Paul was going through. I mean, I just spent 20 minutes saying Camille was maybe thinking this and maybe, and I don't mean that I need it to be like put out in front of me with like a, you know, a, a, a format and a guideline. And this is exactly what happened. And this is exactly how they felt. But I just there it was so open ended that it was like, I don't get why you're being like this. And I don't get yeah. why you're being like this. And so it made and, it a little hard to yeah. get on board. And something like this that could be so easily misconstrued, I feel like needs that specificity. Because, yeah. you know, the least kind reading would be, you know, and an incel could watch this movie and say, Oh, Camille leaves Paul because he's not a Chad. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, so, so this is guitar, the secret not incel. Exactly. So yeah, I don't think that's what's going on here uh necessarily, but it felt uncomfortable to me that that was open as an interpretation based on what the film gave us. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think this movie I don't know. There's there's some I mean, it's it's still mid-century gender roles. Like, you know, there's still a lot of pro- progress we've made since then. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. On the flip side, a really kind reading of this would be, hey, this is a movie about misunderstandings because you've Which got all is. of this stuff. Yeah. But also you can mm-hmm. like misunderstand somebody and not assume that they're against you. <laughs> you can misunderstand with somebody and then approach a reconciliation mm-hmm. assuming that the other person is not your adversary, which is yeah. like what marriage is. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or or that, what some of marriage can be, let me phrase it that way. Um, like assuming you're on the same team as somebody and these perceived slights and perceived misunderstandings are I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I guess I just didn't find this. Not that every movie should be relatable to get, but mm-hmm. I didn't find it relatable. Yeah, I thought the acting was great. I thought the visuals were beautiful. I thought Fritz Long being in it was really fun. I yes. thought <laughs> I thought the uh, um <laughs> the way Prokosh was um, portrayed, just like as like a money hungry, sex obsessed American. <laughs> was really yeah. funny um that was fun but yeah yeah so we'll we'll get into some of the craft stuff because i definitely think that was excellent um a couple more questions here i had more character related mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about camille not really confronting Paul about his behavior and yeah I think it probably is a not feeling safe but it could also just be that Goddard doesn't think women communicate well um which would be unfortunate um yeah well you know he's dead so (laughs) it's true um why do you think Camille and Prokash die at the end of the movie I don't have an answer for hmm. this. So that's why I, I put it on there. I don't have an answer either. I don't think there needs... Well, because Prokosh drove into oncoming traffic. That's why they die. <laughs> um, I mean... I don't know. 
I don't think it's a cautionary tale. Like you could, tr- you, no. I think a lot of what we're talking about today is us just like trying to like wring any meaning out of the wet towel that is this movie. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, so you could say like, don't let love get away or, you know, resolve your conflicts before it's too late. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know, you could make all of that. But I don't think that that's what uh, Godard was trying to get across. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it was to line up with the Odyssey with being a Greek tragedy, you know? Yeah, somewhat. It's probably pulling from because then you do get that final shot of them filming the Odyssey. So it might be trying to portray like a Greek tragedy sort of thing. I don't think there's any sort of like I don't think Godard's trying to say like Camille needed to die for what she did or that there's any sort of like judgment in the deaths here. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like that. It didn't feel like, I don't know. It just felt sort of out of nowhere and just like a way that Godard likes to end his movies, but didn't have a lot of purpose behind why it did that. Right. Um Yeah. Then the the language and communication barriers thing is interesting to me as a parallel because really Paul and Camille are having a lot of trouble communicating and perceiving each other accurately. And then you've also got the communication difficulties with making the film adaptation of the odyssey where like long has a certain vision for the film um the producer has a different vision paul's sort of caught in the middle got all of this translation going along uh, uh, around because long is a german director american producer french screenwriter shooting in italy like the (laughs) the layers of this movie's trying to say something about like the difficulty of communicating with a fellow human being uh good point coming to an understanding yeah Yeah. no that's a good point and that you know conflict can exist in all languages and Mm -hmm. i i it's funny though because you know the movie is a French movie, so we had English subtitles, but we didn't get any subtitles when they were speaking English. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always like, wait, what they say? Wait, what? Um, but I it makes you kind of want to see the movie from the translator's perspective. So uh Prokosh's assistant, who um Camille catches Paul smacking her behind, another butt thing, this this butt movie. Um <laughs> You know, she's translating everything for everybody. And of course, Fritz Long, who is German, somehow speaks perfect English. Does he speak French ever? He might speak French some too. So I think he does speak a little bit of French. Yeah. yeah. So he is uh he's well spoken. He's actually made some like Hollywood movies at this point. He's been in Hollywood for a little while. Um, so yeah, he he does speak uh speak a good English here as well yeah oh and of course you know what a picture throwback fritz long directed m the um phenomenal so good Mm, so good so it was it was a fun little like 
cameo type performance for him to come and play himself in this movie. Yeah, it was for sure. Um, and he's very good in it and is very much like uh, um, Godard inserting himself and his opinions about film into the movie. <laughs> yeah. Which was, was fun. Um, so um, I watched an interview of Godard um, to try to crystallize my feelings about like the plot mechanics of this movie and within three minutes I was like no 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 do not ask Godard those questions no what are you doing it was terrible terrible sexism in the way that this movie was received so the questions were all around Bridget Bardo's nudity and they were like, was she excited to do the nudity and like all of this terrible, or like 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 foaming at the mouth, like ugh. exactly, like was she eager to do it because she's a big star and she doesn't need to do that anymore, and like, ugh, it's just terrible. Yeah. Godard, I will say, had good answers and was defending her uh, in a way that I found um, comforting. Um, so. I was glad that he um, was pretty much like he was just he corrected them on several points, <laughs> which Good. I found refreshing. And then was mm-hmm. also like Bridget Bardot was pretty much game for whatever, you know, I she trusted me and I asked her to do this and she did it, et cetera. So he was fine. Uh, answers for for those terrible questions but still the way this was received was very uh i mean it's very like international scandalous movie is what the producers were going for and what the public sort of received it as but yeah just uh unfortunate that yeah it's an interesting thing because you know we watch something like this now and the nudity, like you mentioned, it doesn't bother you. Nudity rarely bothers me, um, with the exception of the penises in my face during the Persona <laughs> intro. Um, but that was more of just, you know, being triggered of uh, unsolicited dick pics and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah so, like, I, I don't mind nudity. I don't think it always adds. I don't think it always detracts. I think sometimes it's it's a, it's good to have sometimes it 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 puts you in a feeling of you know like the beginning scene between uh Camille and Paul is you know she's on the bed she's on her stomach you see her naked bottom and she's uh asking Paul like do you love my back do you love mm-hmm. my shoulders do you love my feet do you, you know she's like it, it it the nudity in that scene just kind of added to the intimacy um in a way yeah. that I thought was like sweet. I I she could have been wearing underwear. She could have been under a blanket. You know, whatever. But I I didn't find it detracting. But I think that my reaction now to nudity is because movies like this were made in 1963. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. were made 60. Oh gosh, 60 years ago. Um, and we've had 60 years of crummy interviews like that and reactions to nudity like that. To be where we are now. So I, you know, 
booty show and trailblazing, I guess, is is the legacy of this movie. But um, now being, I don't want to say like numb to nudity because it's not that. Like it does elicit a reaction, but I think you're. I'm, I'm more numb to the scandal of it. Um, yeah, which I'm thankful for. I mean, I, I I'm 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 glad it's represented. I think obviously you got to make sure your heart and your maturity is in the right place to experience it. And that's, you know, on each individual as a consumer of art, consumer is the wrong word, but um, as someone who experiences art, but I, I, I was fine with it. It's just like every scene with her (laughs) that she's naked is her on her stomach with her naked bottom. There's Mm -hmm. a weird part in the, um, in the apartment scene where they're fighting where he like stops and is reading an excerpt from one of the books that um, Prokash has given them about like the Roman Empire or something, which is funny because the the Odyssey is written in Greek, but they yeah. get a movie about the <laughs> Roman Empire, which they joke about later. Um, but he reads an excerpt about like someone who has to judge a contest of between three women's bottoms or something so like it's definitely this recurring theme and i think i don't i'm trying to understand why i don't know Um, yeah it's sort of knowing yeah yeah it's yeah godard i think godard thinks it's sort of funny that he was asked to include nudity in the movie (laughs) and sort of like he's not super like uh yeah he he seems to be like just like game for like yeah they asked me to include it sure whatever and i'm gonna sort of make fun of it while i do it sort of thing so you know why not um and the the beginning scene is such heightened melodrama and that theme that plays throughout the music um definitely lends to that but the um it being such a heightened melodrama with the music and her asking these questions is like feels pretty knowing to me <laughs> um so i i thought it was uh was well used um yeah. the way that this movie is shot i'm going to change around the order here in the outline the way the apartment is shot first of all it's a very famous sequence. It's about 30 minutes in the middle of the movie of just uh, Camille and Paul's conversation uh, mm-hmm. and Paul trying to drag out of Camille this misunderstanding and they go back and forth between like discussing, arguing, joking, that sort of thing. Um, what did you thought of think of that sequence and the the way the apartment was shot during that sequence? I thought that was really beautiful. Um, I thought, you know, so they, well, let's get the funny part out of the way. So the the apartment (laughs) is in renovation. And so there's one interior door in the apartment that is like a door that, you know, has a big uh, glass pane in it that's missing. And so half the time they open and shut the door. Half the time they walk through the glass pane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then there's one time where because it's it's this passive moving around the the thing the argument within the argument they're constantly moving um there's one point where paul both opens the door 
Anne steps through the missing glass pane and then shuts the door. And it's so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I, I just want to get that out of the way. And now we can talk about the yeah. serious stuff. So I thought that the way this was shot was beautiful. The apartment itself is is like pure white walls, very minimally decorated. I mean, there's like, it's in renovation. So, you know, there's um, art that should be on the wall is like on the floor leaning against the wall. Um, tons of of natural daylight, but it's still very white and clean. Um, so it just felt very exposing. Uh, there wasn't shadow. There weren't nooks and crannies. And the apartment, it's not like an open floor plan, but it has a flow to it so that the the actors are constantly moving. The dolly and the cameras are constantly following them. It felt very intrusive. Um yes. In a in a really cool way, like they are because they, you know, the dialogue is is conflict, but not giving you a lot of information other than they are, you know, Paul pleading for her to be honest and her pleading for him to stop asking him about that. Like, yeah. And then you've got the way it's shot is so open. Um, yeah. So it just felt like a like a you were really, really intimately part of what was going on between them. So I thought it was awesome. I thought the way that that was shot was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And one of those like adaptations of something that's more literary or, I mean, it's, it's almost like a play adaptation because it's just dialogue between the two of them in an apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, But the movement and the sense of place, um, it reminded me a little bit of late spring. Uh, I remember when watching yeah. late spring, like their residence, the way the camera moves throughout it and frames things and doors is like, you almost feel like you're there the way. And this is a little more showy than that, but still gave me that same sense of like, I feel like I could draw a blueprint of this apartment and show you where everything is sort of thing um so that was neat all of the the dolly shots and um them moving around gives a sense of like liveliness and uh the the conversation is like ping-ponging so it's like moving chess pieces back and forth which lends to what the movie is trying to do emotionally in this sequence of them talking back and forth and there's this misunderstanding and they're just not really like getting each other sort of thing um so i thought that that sequence was neat i guess some of my problems of the way that camille um is portrayed stemmed from that sequence but the filmmaking is really strong uh Mm -hmm. in that sequence so yeah i liked it quite a bit um other um shots that i really liked were just the opening and closing dolly shots because well the first one is a dolly shot or or a shot of a dolly (laughs) and the camera is like filming something else and then the camera turns over and down to where the camera is shooting at us and, and I, I liked in that opening shot how the credits were red. 
like yeah <laughs> starring these people cinematography by nice. this person yeah uh which was fun it was just like an interesting voiceover but i appreciate yeah. it yeah and then i don't feel like the movie quite lives up to the promise of like the audience being under examination for the entire movie i mean maybe in some ways with the way it's trying to like provoke with nudity and things like that and you know i didn't get that at all under, honestly yeah i forgot about the opening shot until you started talking about it yeah. and i remember how excited you were you're like is the camera gonna turn on us yeah i was um, i was hoping it would so but yeah but I then you're, it felt uh, yeah it felt misplaced mm-hmm. like that was the like that was the beginning to a different movie yeah it it could have worked elsewhere but i mean that's sort of a godard thing is freewheeling he's making a bunch of movies all at once and just sort of throwing a lot of ideas at the wall so i can appreciate the sort of improvisatorial nature of some of the stuff where it's not necessarily meant to be like inter- intricately crafted and like Boy in the Heron that we saw this week as well. Like, Zaki worked for years and they hand animated every shot. Like, this is, this is like French do wave fun. Like, let's not take this too seriously just based on vibes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I love vibes. Then the closing shot I also thought was really interesting of where both you're, you're watching the odyssey movie being shot and odysseus is like seeing his uh homeland again from like this cliff um and you see it being shot with this dolly that's moving across but then the camera that's actually filming like we're on a dolly as well that's moving somewhat like at 90 degrees <laughs> so you're like right. getting closer to the camera while it's panning across and it's a really interesting shot and then it just pans away from the camera and you just see odysseus looking out and then you just see the sea at the end but weren't you hey, so shot. anxious on that rooftop though like you would fall to your death if you fell off that roof yeah yeah. And so my thought was, there are no borders here. He is way too close to the edge. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, SAG-AFTRA would never allow that. Like, <laughs> this is clearly not a union movie. No. That yeah. said, and Capri is absolutely beautiful. Overall, yes. Oh, my gosh. I know. I want to know if that villa still exists, if we could rent it mm-hmm. out. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be there? incredible. Yeah. The, uh, the staircase there that goes from, like, wide to narrow... And there are a couple of really cool shots on that staircase. Love a good staircase in a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, They're out on the sea. Um, Yeah, just some some really cool stuff in the way that that things are shot there. Um, So I I have a, a, a take here before we wrap up. And that's that I would rather see The Odyssey as directed by Fritz Long than the movie we actually got <laughs> yeah i i think it'd be yeah. really cool oh i think it'd be cool the yeah. the, the the either or thing of it um mm-hmm. i mean yeah i this is my second godard my first mm-hmm. godard was pierre lefou for this podcast i'd heard of him 
probably from you telling me I need to see Breathless, but somehow still have never shown me Breathless mm-hmm. um, because it's coming up. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> I liked Pierre LeFou a lot more. Um, I think the things I liked about this movie were the things I liked about Pierre LeFou, um, namely Mm -hmm. the, the color scheme, the, the Instagram filter as it were of the, Mm -hmm. you know, there was even a point where, um, in like the, they're showing you at the, towards the beginning of the movie, some of the filming from, um, the Odyssey and they did the thing with like the, the, cherry red blood and that yeah. like bright blue again so there was just like some similar similar looks between the two yeah. um which was fun the apartment scene elevates this for me for sure but i also agree that it wasn't the best mm-hmm. which is fine not everything yeah. has to be for everyone if this is your favorite movie i will never try to take that yeah. away from you and I'm open to interpretations of like, oh, this is a fair, this is like a fable. And so the characters aren't supposed to be like expressing genuine human emotion. It does have some of that feel, but I don't know. It just feels like a lesser, I've, I had some issues with it in ways that I really haven't with a lot of the movies on this list. I've mostly responded to them and thought they were great so um definitely wanted to voice that but um yeah i uh seem to be mostly alone in this based on uh my letterbox friends and that's totally i'll never let you feel alone sweets thank you Yeah. yeah um all right uh were you ready for our 2001 space odyssey fact Yes. Yes, we are. Cool. So the sequence at the end, the real trippy one, there are some shots of Dave's eye really close up. And those Mm. mirror the shots of Hal's eye earlier in the movie. So, yeah, it's it's a neat sort of parallel shot where he continues on the the theme of like looking directly into the eye of Hal. Um, so I thought that was neat. Okay, that's pretty neat. Pretty neat. I'll take it. Take a fact. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us today on Weather Picture. Um, you may subscribe to us on your various platforms. You may rate us five stars only. Just kidding. Be honest. Um, <laughs> but no, I will cry at every negative review, mm-hmm. regardless if if it's specifically targeting me or not. You will make me cry, but. I appreciate honesty. So it's a it's a double double edged sword. I won't cry, be honest, it's fine. Um, but also, you know, for a podcast to like review negatively, like I just don't mm-hmm. listen anymore. I'll yeah. like or I'll unfollow. It takes a lot yeah. for me to like negatively review something. Yeah, people are uh have different ways of interacting online and what yeah. gives them uh gives them pleasure and that's fine it just <laughs> asks that you consider not rating us less than five stars because or just like send brian an email <laughs> with your constructive criticism <clears throat> we listen to every piece uh, well, of constructive criticism 
I don't think we've gotten any, but uh, we would <laughs> listen if well, we listen to every piece that we have received, which is none of them. None of them. Um, also, you can find Brian on Blue Sky and Leatherboxed and X and. Are you anywhere Those else? Those are the places. Those yeah. are the places. Mm -hmm. You can find me by if you open up Harry Potter book three, Ooh. page 245, I'm right there. Oh, your actual person is right there or there is a way to find you right there? Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what's on page 245, actually. I'm just no. staring at my Harry Potter on the shelf right now. Now that makes me really nervous. That Good it's news be like... for you who own Harry Potter. Uh, have you guys ever which you all should have you seen there's an episode of 30 rock where uh tina Fey's character is trying to stall like a wedding from ending and she's up at the altar and she's playing like a like a game with the bible where she like closes her eyes and opens it to a page so she's like i my name is and she opens it up something my i will live in my job will be <laughs> prostitute <laughs> <laughs> and then she opens up to a random passage and it's like about Zipporah cutting off her son's foreskin and she's like come on bible help a girl out Rough passage. anyway yeah that's a good passage uh well anyway um next week we are watching not a movie next week we are not it yeah. is a recap episode so we have been at this for almost a year we have hit now 50 films and we're gonna take a week and talk about our top five because brian makes me rank things whether i want to or not um yeah. there but will i be give many you warning in advance. i have had like three weeks warning there will be a cavalcade is that the right word of yes. uh 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 caveats to my ranking and honorable mentions and honorable mentions because sometimes five isn't enough. Um, yes. Well, it's really that like we've watched a lot of movies that I'd seen before and already loved, and I don't want to do all five movies I've seen before and already loved, but I want to mention the ones I've seen before and already loved. Yeah, I'm also, trying to like five... adjust in my head for that of like I'd probably love this one if I'd seen it more than once. Yeah, I yeah. think what I'm going to do is make a list of all fifty and then take them off. Yeah, that's kind that's of that to tends to be my like go to or like that's how I, I'll order at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I have the menu in front of me and I'll take off the things I don't want. That makes it easier yeah. for me. So I already have all 50 logged in letterbox. So that takes some of the uh, ranking out. But I think I have like 17 of them or so rated as yeah. five stars. But see, now which our is listeners a very high know. percent. Um, but, but now they're going to know what all of your things are. If they go on Letterboxd? Yeah, because they all probably follow you on Letterboxd. We've yeah, already told but them to. which of the 17 will be my top five? You know, That's fair. And I'm still agonizing over that. So <laughs> That's fair. That's really fair. Yeah, I we have to share our lists ahead of time so we don't just pick the same five movies, which we wouldn't anyway. Pick yeah, the same I think as we'd each have other. one in common. Goodfellas, yeah. right? Goodfellas. Yeah. Such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anyway, share more of our thoughts on why Goodfellas is one of our top five favorites of the <sighs> top fifty next week, and then, and then we're going to gonna think... do Rear Window the week after that. Yes, so uh, that and it's one... available on Criterion currently. Yeah, and that will be our first podcast of twenty twenty four. I think so. Yeah. yeah so Thanks. we wish all of you a happy and healthy holiday season. Um, do what you gotta do to stay safe, stay sane, stay loved go watch some movies but maybe not contempt unless you 
have already watched 99 movies on this list and need to watch them. <laughs> Contempt is all right. You can watch Contempt. It's an interesting movie to wrestle with, and I think the craft is good enough that it's worth watching regardless of how you feel of the characters. Yeah. All right. Thanks all. Have a good week. Love you. Bye.